This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Hi, this is Michelle Nichols, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Aren't we all lucky? That's Robertson Long, Tony Figueroa, and Donna Allen as we continue our special roundtable discussion on the subject of what exactly constitutes a classic TV series, such as what made a show different at the time it originally aired on television and how it continues to influence television to this day. Our conversation with Tony and Donna originally aired in March 2018, but as the topic of our conversation is evergreen, we'd welcome your thoughts on what makes a classic TV series. Email us, talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also post comments, facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, instagram.com forward slash tvconfidential, and twitter.com forward slash tvconfidential. Tony? And going back, because the discussion actually started with Will and Grace and, and, yes. and whether it's a classic, I think there are certain benchmarks within Will and Grace that also were different from shows prior. Now, keep in mind, when Will and Grace first came on, Mad About You was wrapping up. Yeah. And Mad About You, like many other, you know, this was one of the more successful, but how many rom-com-type sitcoms did we have going on at that time? And the networks, and I don't normally want to blame the fan base, but I'm going to have to blame the fan base with a show like this. You have that couple, boy meets girl. You want them to start dating. And then as soon as they start dating, there's pressure, either from the network or from the fans. You want them to have sex. And then you want them to get engaged. And you can have a whole season where they're getting engaged, you know, where they give the ring in September by June, you know, there's the wedding, right? And then as soon as they're married, you want a kid. And then all of a sudden, the whole point of the show goes out the window. Or, you know what, you have a kid, and you may get five good episodes with the baby, and then it's like, what the hell do we do with this baby? Because you want to go back to the traditional story, this traditional plot, and the baby's in the way. Some shows lend itself to that. When Mike and Gloria had their baby, it was a natural progression for these characters. Uh, but a lot of shows, you, you you keep wanting that, and then all of a sudden, like, yeah, that show was ruined when they had the baby. You know, it yeah. was never as good. And so the point of Will and Grace was, how can we have a male and a female be friends and not have to have this situation of them becoming romantically involved? Well, we'll make the guy gay. That was the main crux of it. I, as much as I enjoyed the show, I had been critical of various episodes where I thought they had a 15-minute plot and then they had to fill in the other. Yeah, well, that you look. Yeah, when with, when when you do, I mean that that is one of the pitfalls of being a network show, a, a particularly a network yeah. show with a twenty-two episode run. 
They had a solid 15-minute story, and they needed Another Jack minutes. and Karen to fill, yeah. you know, with... Sight gags. Sight gags, innuendos, double entendres. Yeah. Which were done beautifully. Which were done, I, I would say, yeah, brilliantly in many cases. Uh, I mean, those two as comic relief. And, like you were talking about with Grace and Frankie, they eventually became full-developed characters. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes, yeah, it was, yeah, uh, every imaginable joke they could get away with that standards and practices would allow just to fill in that time. And sometimes that would get annoyed because you had a really good, solid story. The original Will and Grace left the air, was it 10 years ago? Uh, Nine think, or 10, yeah. Yeah, like 2008, I'm thinking. The reboot began this past fall. Right. Or I, actually, I, I've been watching, it's a continuation. I feel like it never stopped. Yeah, yeah. And yes, and I understand it's cozy, right? Cozy that's showing the classic. To differentiate the classic and the reboot. Yes, these episodes, classic Will and Grace, the original Will and Grace. Do I consider it a classic yet? My definition, I don't think enough time has gone by. I think it certainly will be. The episodes hold up. I'm watching them. I'm laughing out loud. I'm enjoying the new episodes. But- and it's, it, for me, it's like time has never stopped for that. It'll be interesting to see what the reception for the reboot of Roseanne, which starts in March of this year as we record this conversation. This is late January, so it starts in about a month. Uh, and then yesterday, uh, yesterday as we record this conversation, uh, CBS announced that it has ordered 13 episodes so of Murphy, Murphy Brown. Brown. Which that they, will be interesting. Which, yeah. they, which they were talking about for the 2012 election, a, a short season yeah. that would be covering, you know, from campaign to election. And, and again, this conversation began with Will and Grace and also began with the question, okay, is a classic a classic if it's 20 years old or is a classic a classic if, if it's more than 20 years old, you know, or 40 uh-huh. years old? So um, uh, the reason I, you know, and this is kind of like the destined to be, I think Will and Grace possesses the markers that when it is 20 years old, it will, you know, it, you know we, could, we can kind of say, yeah, this is going to be in that category. It'll, and it, it'll be interesting because Murphy Brown is certainly a show of its time. Yes. And one of the reasons, and we've talked about this before, one of the reasons why it did not rerun particularly well is because it was very topical. You know, mm-hmm. a, a joke about Dan Quayle would be very funny in 1992. It may not be as funny in 2012. And, Going back to why a classic is a classic, the setting, the characters, there's a timeless quality. A basic situation that was considered funny in 1965, you, you watch it 50 years later. I mean, the, you know, the styles may be different. Um, it may be color versus black and white, but the, but the essential situation is timeless you can still you, it's relatable today i love lucy i love lucy yeah at least w- w- as far as television con- is concerned that goes to the head of the class as far as classics that yeah. along with the dick van dyke show and the dick van dyke show. well i think leave it to beaver also because even if you had never seen an episode of leave it to beaver it is so referenced in our popular culture if you're referring to something old-fashioned or old-fashioned America, you might compare it to Leave it to Beaver. That house looks like it's out of Leave it to Beaver. That situation looks like it's out of Leave it to Beaver. That mom looks like she's out of Leave it to Beaver. It is the Grant Wood of American television. Exactly. True Americana. 
you we reference it. Uh, well, why can't we go back to the days of yeah. Leave It to Be? Yeah. So you get it on both ends. I think the Mary Tyler Moore show had more influence in women going into broadcast journalism than Murphy Brown did. Or, we, could, or women yeah. just being independent. Well, yeah. Mary, well, the Mary Tyler Moore show. Paved I think the Murphy way. Brown owes Correct. a lot to I Mary Tyler Moore. That. I would agree with that. You know, the difference is also, you know, we're, when we're talking about... I even about, think Diane English would agree with that. Oh, yeah. But Mary Diane Tyler Moore had a certain Brown. timeless quality. It's, it is funny that they didn't talk about a lot of the events that were happening in the news in the newsroom uh, on the Mary Tyler Moore show, where Murphy Brown, that was right. the conversation. And that is why the Mary Tyler Moore show is more of a yeah. classic than but Murphy But then Brown. at the same time, you look at All in the Family. Again, another classic for, you know, different reasons. It yeah. changed. All in the Family broke the mold. Yeah. Yes. And you look at so many of these episodes where the episodes either are on a work day after hours, after work hours, you know, Archie comes home from work, or on a Sunday where the family would be together. And uh, many of these t- conversations are the kitchen conversations, which, like I said in the past, uh, Americans are having or should be having. And you're seeing these people have the same conversations that a lot of people were having at home at the time. And somehow that has lasted the test of time. I mean, right now, I think uh, Get TV is showing All in the Family, and it was on uh, Antenna TV. And they, but, you know, like you talked about Dan Quayle, they're talking in these episodes about McGovern. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> now, uh, or, or Spiro Agnew. That, or, that, yeah. that brings up a different point. First, well, I think some of the problems that they were discussing are still relevant today. Yes, the characters have changed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's not where I'm going, though. Okay. That's not where I'm but, going. Now, this, this may have to do with economics. Certain shows become classics because they are relatively easy to obtain if you're a programmer and need content. And, and because they're relatively easy and relatively inexpensive to obtain, you program your network or your channel with certain shows. From the 60s, you would be talking about Bewitched, I Dream a Genie, Andy Griffith, the 70s, All in the Family, mm-hmm. uh, Mary Tyler Moore, etc. And so because those shows have always been on the air, whether because of timeless quality or just simply they're easy to obtain in whatever package you need to start your channel, I think that also contributes to a show being considered a classic. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The FBI Dossier, a guide to the classic TV series produced by Quinn Martin and starring Ephraim Zemlis Jr. The FBI Dossier, now available at BlackPawnPress.com, Amazon.com, and EdRobertson.com. One more item, save the dates. Join Coda Life and Well Time as they kick off the new year with their amazing Radiance Retreat 2024, January 19th through January 21st in the beautiful beach town of Malibu, California. Radiance Retreat 2024 is a weekend of wellness, 
healing, and stillness that will help you reclaim your vibrancy, your power, and call back your energy. For more information, follow Coda Life Goddess on Instagram. That's C-O-T-A, Coda Life Goddess on Instagram, Coda Life on Facebook, or visit CodaLife.com. We're having a special roundtable discussion on the subject of what exactly constitutes a classic TV series. If you have any thoughts on this matter, we invite you to be part of our conversation. Email us, talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. We will work your comments in a future edition of our program. You can also post a comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, or twitter.com forward slash tvconfidential. Confidential, Donna. What's a show that, in your opinion, should be considered a classic, but maybe is not by the general population? This era, any era? Any era. Any era. Okay, let's say modern day and your childhood. Okay, that's a good question. Well, The Fugitive, off the top of my head, I would say when we were coming of age, that was considered a groundbreaking show and remains in play that does not get the kind of play today that I think it ought to. Maybe it's because it's an hour-long show or maybe it's because, I don't know, but uh, it seems to me half-hour sitcoms seem to have more, seem to remain, have a better chance of being more of a touchstone than an hour, than certain hour, other than Perry Mason, than hour-long drama. They're easier to program for syndication packages. Yeah, because you can can slot two of them in an hour, you know, and easily preempt them for your network news or, or your Sunday night sports update. But today, when you think of The Fugitive, you think of the Harrison Ford movie. True. You don't think of the David Jansen show. There would be no Harrison Ford movie were it not for the David Jansen show. Exactly. Yeah, for me, it's I have an hour-long show, too, with St. Elsewhere. Yeah. Tremendous acting, tremendous directing. The writing was impeccable. That was a show that had a very smaller audience, but it was a very loyal audience. And it was the right demographic to keep it on the air for five full years. And a lot of the fans, myself included, are still furious with the ending of that show. Yes. I have yeah. never gotten furious with the show. I couldn't wait for the last episode. I was ready to cry. I did cry, but I was angry. I was yelling at the TV. And uh, it's something that, yeah, I think should be a classic, wonderful MTM drama. My, my friend Tom Gully, who has spent the past 35 years either – behind the microphone for various stations um, or working in marketing. So he, he, he comes at this from two different angles. He and I were talking off mic uh, the other day, and he singled out the FBI as the most successful show in TV history that nobody remembers. Hmm. It's a show that ran nine years. It was of the shows produced by Quinn Martin. It was his most successful insofar as it ran longer than any show he had had on the air. If you were to watch it from A to Z, as I had recently finished doing, uh, you would be amazed at how it remained as fresh and high in quality at the end of season nine as it did at the beginning of season one. Did it repeat certain themes? Sure, it did. But up until the very end, they, they knew how to create an hour of thrilling, compelling television with interesting characters. And I would even add Ephraim Zimbalist Jr.'s portrayal on that because 
he did a very good job of keeping Erskine very interesting, even though his character was limited to, to the investigatory part of the show. But he would add nuances when he had to. And so, again, you, you, you put it all together. And yet, for a number of reasons, it, it's a show. I'll give, I'll give an example of that. About a year ago, around the time uh, that the Mueller investigation was picking up steam, NPR did a seven-minute piece on various portrayals of the FBI in popular culture over the past 50 years. They played a clip from the FBI story with Jimmy Stewart. They played a couple of clips of Fox and Mulder from the uh, uh, the X-Files. They played a clip from Quantico, which which is Mm -hmm. the Sunday night show on ABC, which I I think is still on the air. Yeah, I think you're right. And one or two, uh, they played a clip of Jodie Foster talking to Anthony Hopkins from Silence of the Lambs. So you had a you had a pretty good selection of things. Not once, not one single clip of the FBI with with Ephraim Zimblist. And I thought that was amazing because, but it kind of speaks to the point how it's it's a long running show that nobody seems to remember, and it's not like it's very difficult to find. You just type an FBI TV show on Google, you have Ephraim Zimblist. Yeah, <laughs> and and I'm thinking. Uh, of everything that you just mentioned, if I'm remembering correctly, the FBI TV series was probably a more realistic portrayal of the FBI. Yes. Is, I mean, I, it was my dad's favorite. It was my dad's favorite show. Mine too. Would you think it was kind of almost in, in the Jack Webb tradition without Jack Webb? It was as close to Jack Webb without Jack Webb. Yeah. And go, again, going back to what we said earlier, Robert Mueller, among speaking of. On the occasion of Ephraim Zimbalist's 90th birthday, he presented Ephraim Zimbalist with a retired honorary badge award. And in his remarks, he said two generations of agents joined the Bureau because of you, and I'm one of them. Wow. And, and, and yet it's, it's a show that for whatever reason, does not immediately come to mind in the public no. consciousness. But uh, uh, well, Will the Mueller investigation uh, inspire a TV series, miniseries, feature film? Frankly, I see Lin-Manuel Miranda doing a musical. Okay, I can see yeah. that. I, I, I can see that. I, I'd love I can to see, see that. that. I can see that. I can see that. We're having a special roundtable discussion along with Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen on the subject of what constitutes a classic TV series. One other quick point about a show that was maligned Mm -hmm. but has become a classic because its quality has been recognized by subsequent generations and this is an example we've talked about many times, Gilligan's Island. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now Gilligan's Island has that you know, kind of that dubious thing but it's never been off the air. I think it does have, you know, if we were looking at these little markers uh, it is a lot smarter than people give it credit for it was silly yeah it, but it's so much more than a kid show which so many people looked at it initially and that's what they saw dismiss it. uh yeah it was silly uh more than it was stupid but you had somebody who used words like microcosm in the description of the show where the executives didn't know what that yeah. meant and you had a representation from every walk of american life in those seven people, the intellectual, the capitalist, the socialite, Mrs. Howe, the celebrity, the military, 
working class guy. So did I leave out anyone? Middle America. Middle America, the farm girl. Yeah. yeah. So she was kind of the farmer's daughter joke yeah. at the same time. But she she represented, you know, the heartland. Yeah. Uh, uh, and apple pie and all, all that's good sometimes. So she did have all, and they all had to get along and work as a cohesive, and they became a family. And uh, nobody brings that up. The only time you hear that being brought up is when you, if you see a, an interview with Sherwood Schwartz, yeah. or maybe one of the actors that bring it up, but you don't hear the people whose job it is to evaluate and review and all that. A lot of these people, I think, went, went the uh, easy route and just, if they liked it, it was funny. If they didn't like it, they ripped it apart. But th I think there was a lot more heart and brain in that show yeah. than anybody cares to give it credit for. And because it was a significant part of the lives of people of our generation growing up, and because we have, con we have kept it in the public consciousness over the years— either because we continue to watch it or we recognize elements of subsequent shows that go back to Gilligan's Island, that's what makes it a classic. Can we also add that we had an incredibly talented cast? Oh, yeah. Without, the, the, two, the two girls, they were not like supermodels with SAG cards. I mean, they both had uh, incredible acting chops, even though they didn't have as much experience as some of the older performers right. on the show. But when they were there, they learned. I mean, Dawn Wells talks about how much she learned from Natalie, Natalie Schaefer. Schaefer yeah. It was amazing. What Natalie Schaefer learned about comedy from Jim Backus. Mm -hmm. I mean, so you're never too old to learn. And they all go back to how funny, naturally funny, Bob Denver was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us for a special roundtable discussion on what constitutes a classic TV series. We'll take a quick time out, then we'll continue our conversation here on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415 886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.